Hi there. Welcome to the Woman Inspired Podcast. I'm Karen. I'm your hostess for this podcast. Um, I want to say hostess with the mostest, but not sure that would quite be <laughs> accurate. However, I am your hostess, so I hope you enjoy this episode, which is titled, Look at Me, Dad. Um, I really thought about what in the world should I call this um, particular episode, but look at me, Dad, seemed to just hit me the right way. So I hope you enjoyed as much as I enjoyed uh, putting it together for you. Um, so we start out every podcast with a pod quote, and by we, I mean me, because I'm the one doing it, unless you want to include my dog, Snowball, who is here in the room with me. Um, <laughs> but um, actually, I have two quotes uh, for this, and one is more like a little mini short poem, and I'll start out with that one. Ready? Here goes. Work for a cause, not applause. Live life to express, not to impress. Don't strive to make your presence known. Give all glory to God till the day of going home. And I just think that's a great little uh, poem, a little quip, a little quote for you. And the author is anonymous. Um, But here's a, a shorter quote that maybe you can write down that I loved as well. Ready? God is never blind to your tears, never deaf to your prayers, and never silent to your pains. He sees you. He hears you. He will deliver you. All right, so we're going to jump right into look at me, Dad. The Bible says we're supposed to take up our cross and follow Jesus, not live for the flesh or the things of this world, but to die to our constant wants and earthly desires. To not let the focus be on us, but for Jesus to be seen in us and in what we do. Okay, so in Galatians 2.20, it says, I have been crucified with Christ. It is no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me. And the life I now live in the flesh, I live by faith in the Son of God, who loved me and gave himself for me. So if you believe in Jesus, or maybe even if you're not so sure... I'm going to share with you Colossians 3, 3, because it says, for you have died and your life is hidden with Christ in God. Wow. Okay. So we have died. That means if we've given our life over to Christ, that means we have died. That doesn't mean our, um, very spirit, our lives, you know, we're still on this earth right now. If you're hearing me, you're listening to me, you're tuning in, right? So, but it says we have died, meaning the whole we have died to ourselves for Christ. And it says we are to be hidden in Christ. That means that our um, earthly wants and desires are um, something that we're able to to die to. That we don't have to live just for those, for our lusts, for our sinfulness, for all the things that we want to get into or that usually control us instead of letting God have control. And it says here that our life is to be hidden in Christ. Okay, so frankly, there are days for me, this is extremely difficult to do. I have to wake up and be determined to be wrapped in Christ and hidden in him so the world sees him instead of me. And whatever I do, what I say, what I desire, and work extra hard so even my wants and my will 
match up with his the best that I can do. Let me just say, I stink at this sometimes. Sometimes it's hard for me to get my crud together to tackle my own to-do list, uh, to keep the dog out of the mud in the yard, to, to not go crazy over the fact that my husband went to the store for potatoes, cottage cheese, and milk, but came home with potato chips, cheese and crackers, and ice cream instead. Okay? It was close enough, right? Uh, no, not when you really need those other things. And, and then I have to work to have faith that what I can't do though, and, and I have to hold on to that faith that what I can't do, the Lord can do for me. And even that sometimes is, is hard for me to do. Although I'm still waiting for him to send a miracle down to help me pull the weeds I can't pull in my yard. Because I can't do that. But I know that, <laughs> I know someday somebody's going to knock on my door and say, can I pull your weeds for you? <laughs> At least I hope so. <laughs> hint, hint, anybody listening? Anyway, <laughs> but through all of this, I sincerely try to make sure that Jesus is the one that people see in me. But there are other times, really, when we're talking about being hidden in Christ, all I want to do is go hide in him and not come out. I would just want to be away from the world. Does that sound kind of familiar to anyone? Can you relate to that? Sometimes the daily living can be really difficult. I remind myself that God is an everyday God, though. Not like every day, like a ho-hum, day in, day out, humdrum, whatever kind of every day. But the kind of God where he is a God of every single day, every minute, every waking hour, and every sleeping hour at night. He's in it with us no matter what. So, But even so, how do we hide ourselves in Christ when the entire world seems to be beckoning us to show ourselves, to be proud of ourselves, to show off ourselves for for every little thing that we do. It calls us out if we're in Christ too much or if we're middle of the road or we're too in line with the word of God and too right with Jesus. It wants us to, to, to feel like we're the freaks for not bowing down to every whim the world wants us to call, to be called out on. I mean, there's usually one extreme to the next as the world wants us to post our entire lives on the internet or share some exaggerated version of it in this whole gossip mill at work. I don't know if you all have that, but every workplace usually does. It wants us to fall in line and proudly boast, Oh, look, world at large, I can wear tight clothes and turn my butt to the mirror to show you just how great or how big or how small or how whatever I want it to be. How, look at me, look at me. And all the while, I suspect most of the pics are photoshopped. Oh, don't be shocked, ladies and gentlemen, in case you didn't know. Yes, many a man and woman has taken their pics to what I call the greatest plastic surgeon there is. His name is Mr. Phil Turr. <laughs> okay, that was bad, but yes, filter. Of course, there are the gems out there who post on social media things like, Look, everyone, I have three degrees and four dogs and a loving husband who actually drinks too much and cheats on her, but she won't post the reality of that on social media or share her real heartaches and real victories because it won't look good to all of her followers. And then, okay, there's the pity party posts and the lamenting in the break room at work kind of people. It's the other end of the spectrum. Let's say the people who go, oh my gosh, world feel sorry for me i'm such a wreck my kids all hate me i have no money because my stupid boss fired me for being online too much 
too much just is not possible, is it? And, and I'm so angry about the political scene that I, I have to drink three Starbucks and go to extra therapy. I have to take two new yoga classes and sip wine with my pre-made box dinners that arrive at my door every night just to relax. Help me, social media. What do I do? Look for my advice. Looking, I'm looking for all advice, please. Oh, and don't forget to send me good vibes and keep me in your thoughts. And, oh, visit my GoFundMe page so I can afford to divorce my husband. Okay. <laughs> These are the crazy things that you read out on the Internet. And if you haven't been out on social media lately, I'm not sure I should tell you to do so because it is crazy. And I'm not saying it's all bad, but this kind of stuff really does exist out there. And this is what the world is beckoning us to be like and to do and saying it's okay. We live in a world that screams, hey, look at me. Our culture tells us that every other move we make should be documented by a selfie and a post with the hashtag winning or living my why. Well, guess what? You're not winning if you aren't living the life God wants you to live. And I'm just speculating here, but half of those people on social media who hashtag their life away probably have no idea what their why is and what they're supposed to be living for. With our identities getting wrapped up more in attention than in purpose, we see more and more men and women becoming deceived about what reality actually is. I know you've heard the saying, as I have, she needs a reality check or he needs to get real because reality is not photoshopping yourself into a happy life or Instagram or on Facebook. It's not a competition to see who can get the most likes or go viral after recording some private snippet of your life and posting it to social media. Reality is not boohooing over politics and throwing tirades while you stand on your own self-defined moral high ground all the while hiding behind a screen and a keyboard while you're doing it, right? Reality is, it's it's taking care of a sick parent. It's finding needed services for your special needs child. Reality is graduating from college only to figure out that your major won't do you any good because you can't get a job making more than minimum wage if you majored in the philosophy behind raising feral cats or underwater basket weaving. Even for supposed sought-after expertise like computer technology, coding, medical fields, reality is that education without experience will rarely get you further than minimum wage. That's just reality. Living paycheck to paycheck, hoping your car doesn't break down or that you don't have a medical emergency. That's reality. Your spouse cheating on you uh, or a friend becoming addicted to meds, your family falling apart over stupid, idiotic differences of opinion. Those are real things. I know some reality exists that's projected to the world at large and is a sight to behold. I mean, you can go on some social media, uh, on websites and on the internet, and the beautiful pictures that are posted on social media, they're wonderful escapes to look at and visions of God's creation. There's delicious food and recipes, and for me, it's a joy to look at them, to test the recipes and try them out. There's even quasi-news that comes across that can be interesting, occasionally funny, and even inspiring and educational. So there's a whole myriad of, of things like podcasts, including this one, <laughs> that will help uplift you and point you to the truth or encourage you and, and hopefully make you laugh. So there is good out there, but the bad calls us out more and more. 
It markets itself as reality. Pictures of unwell-meaning posts don't replace face-to-face conversation, though. They can't convey the tone of someone's voice, the touch of a friend's hand comforting you, or a hug, or being at your child's school play, or, or smelling the rain as you you look up and, and turn your face to the sky, or hearing the crunch of leaves under your feet as you walk through the woods. Because the truth is that most of social media doesn't deal with the realm of reality. What you hear going down the hall of your workplace or in the break room, it doesn't compare to what is truly real. And yet, we're coaxed and coached and manipulated into believing that if, if, if we could only have the life that so-and-so has, we would be happy. If we just gripe enough to our coworkers, something might change. If we seek advice from thousands of strangers we call our friends, um, someone might give us the key to true living. And on rare occasions, you'll find someone online pointing another person in the right direction. But then that other person has to choose to go in that direction and not continue to sit on their laurels and in their own muck and mire behind their cell phone or at their laptop having a good old pity party for the whole world to see. But still, the world calls us to continue to complain, to recite woes, and post trivial triumphs, or take selfies till the cows come home, right? And let me just say, I live next to a cattle field, and when those cows come home, they stink. (laughs) Okay, and this is all in a quest for attention, for validation, out of a feeling of necessity, because the world has called this kind of living a necessity, You know what? We can't Photoshop, hashtag, or edit our way into a reality of significance and purpose. Some people are making their living off of social media and posting content that other people really do want to see. But even that is likely not their purpose. That is not their why. You know, I've thought and prayed about this subject a lot. And mostly to begin with because it's affected me greatly over the years. Not the addiction to social media and selfies. Praise God I don't need validation and identification uh, from likes and comments on my Instagram feed. Because I know myself, really, uh, and I'd easily fall into this taking everything too personally category. And I would let it change my heart one way or another. So I'm aware of this about myself. And I work not to feed into that kind of need for validation or criticism, by the way. Yeah, it's nice to share some things and see some different things out there online and be inspired by some amazing people who are on social media. But I can go personally through many, many days without even checking my social media accounts. Of course, it might actually behoove me to check them a little bit more than I do, but that's beside the point. Because frankly, I get tired of seeing all of these kind of uh, self-centered, attention-seeking things Uh, that people post, but I also get tired of seeing ads on how to increase, reduce, or better shape my behind. (laughs) And I really could care less if I see another advertisement for an exercise program or a health drink or a Hollywood celebrity makeout session with boobs and butts hanging out of their bikinis. So these are the main reasons I avoid immersing myself into social media. So no, what's affected me over the years is not that stuff as much as my need for validation. My need for validation over my feelings and, well, basically my existence. I don't know about you, but I've been through some times in my life where I felt certain that if I disappeared, no one would even notice. 
There are times I just frankly feel invisible, even now. But without all the perks of actually being invisible, might I say, sometimes I think, wouldn't that be fun for a bit? Maybe not for a lifetime, but just a day or two to actually be invisible. Mainly for me, it's so that I could play pranks on people. (laughs) I'm just telling you that's the truth. But then when I think about it more seriously of all the things I might hear and see that I really have no desire or business seeing and hearing, then the whole invisible man concept doesn't appeal to me anymore. (laughs) But there are times, truthfully, that I've just desired for validation, for someone to say, hey, I see you, I get you, you are not invisible. Isn't that kind of what all of these people on social media seem to be saying? Screaming and desiring for some sort of attention? And how, oh, 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 how, 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 how it can so easily go from that little desire to be validated to a self-centered longing for constant attention. I see it all the time. Validation comes from the desire to be valued or, or to feel worth something. Okay, but in fact, validation, I'm going to give you the definition because I'm big into the definition of words. Ready? Validation is defined as recognition or affirmation that a person or their feelings or opinions are valid or worthwhile. I'm going to repeat that for you. Validation is defined as recognition or affirmation that a person or their feelings or opinions are valid or worthwhile. We all seek it in some form or another. We want to be looked at, not looked past or seen through. We want to know that someone thinks we're worthwhile. When we don't get or feel that in our daily lives, we will desperately seek it just about any place we can get it. And as much as that very human side of us wants to be seen and to be heard, to be included and validated, embraced and not rejected, let me just tell you right now, it's not a necessity. It's a want and a desire, but not truly a necessity to be seen by other human beings and validated by other human beings. Sadly, many of us don't just seek validation through social media or attention through gossip and pity parties at church or at work. We seek it in the things that draw us in and deceive us. The things that deceive us into believing it's what we need. It's the thing that will fulfill us. It's the thing that will validate us, like sex, drugs, maybe working too much, or even the things that are meant for our good, but we consume in too large quantities and that have a negative effect on us because of that, like um, getting too involved in uh, church or volunteering to the point that it's a detriment to the rest of our lives. Too much exercise, too many radical diets, too much internet. We go overboard trying to fill ourselves with what we think we need so that we're seen and so we're validated. In recent years, top scientists around the world gathered and came into agreement of what they think we humans need to survive. I think it's really interesting how long it takes science to come up with the truth a lot of times. Um, even though it's kind of common sense and basic facts of life that most of us already know, because there are a few things that we absolutely do need to survive in this world. Science agrees, farmer's almanac agrees, physicians agree, world renowned biochemists, engineers, and even poets agree. My neighbor agrees. And I confirm I am in agreement. What are those needs? Well, even though I think chocolate should be on the list, it did not make the list. 
So God bless those scientists who are finally coming around. And even for those who didn't mean to come around, hopefully and prayerfully, um, they'll get it. They'll really get it one day. But there are four basic elements they decided that everyone seems to agree on that we need in order to survive. And no, social media, emojis, selfies, and kombucha energy drinks are not on the list either. Okay, so they are. Ready? Number one, water. Number two, air. Number three, food. Number four, light. Now, okay, listen to what the Bible says. Number one, Jesus is the living water. Number two, Jesus is the breath of life. Number three, Jesus is the bread of life. Number four, Jesus is the light of the world. Water, air or breath, food or bread, and light. Jesus is the living water. He is the breath of life. He is the bread of life. And he is the light of the world. We all have a need, whether we recognize it or not, to be seen by Jesus as well. That's really the only other necessity besides these four is to have a a life that we're supposed to lead and we can only do that when we seek our validation through Jesus. And when we choose him, we can know without a shadow of a doubt that not only does he see us, but that he will be our one, two, three, and four. Our living water, our breath of life, our bread of life, and our light in this world. You're never hidden from him. You need him, even though when there are times when um, you're attempting to hide in him, sometimes you might try to hide from him. Do you get that? I've been there. When I really needed to hide in him, there have been times that I was hiding from him. But he knows you're coming and you're going. He knows you're waking and you're sleeping. He knows when you rise up and he knows when you fall. Good or bad, you cannot hide from Jesus. Even though you think you can. Because whether you want him to be or not, he is naturally that one, two, three, and four. Whether or not you choose to survive by accepting that is totally up to you. You know, when I um, I was young, my younger brother, um, he's... He, when he was little, let me back that up. When my younger brother was little and I was still young, I still remember this, even though it was quite, quite, quite some time ago. Um, he used to like to play hide and seek, but before he could actually understand the concept of how the game was played, he would sit in the middle of the floor and throw his blanket over his head. He would giggle and my parents would say, where's Adam? Where could he be? He thought he was hiding from everyone. If he didn't see us, then we couldn't see him. That's a, a, a bit how we tend to act with God, isn't it? If we keep going and going and doing our own thing, seeking attention and validation from the world, uh, you're trying to get our needs met through what the world has to offer, we think we will just kind of fade from God's sight. Our bad and ugly side can be hidden from God, but it won't. Um, he sees everything from the good, the bad, to the ugly thoughts we harbor in our head and heart. He also sees when we need validation and comfort. You're not invisible to God. What about when you feel like you are? When you've hidden yourself for so long in other things and you put your faith in things of the world or more in yourself than in God. When you feel that distance from him, reality check, 
It's not because he can't see you. It's because you can't see him. You put a worldly blanket over your head. At first she thought it was fun. You do your own thing. You have a good time. Be in control of everything that you can. Only having to deal with the people you let actually see underneath your blanket. But then it gets lonely and it can get scary. One time I remember when my brother had thrown that blanket over his head. Giggling because he thought no one could see him. But when he took the blanket off of his head and started to giggle some more, my older brother said, Where's Adam? I can't see him. Where did he go? Uh Uh-oh, there's no Adam anymore. And Adam started to cry. He kept looking around, scared. He didn't understand the joke. And don't we feel that way sometimes? Like we're invisible? Like no one seems to see us? That we don't exist? And it's scary. But God doesn't want us to be afraid. He wants us to reach for the power that's in his love through the Holy Spirit and know without a shadow of doubt that he sees us. No matter how we try to run and hide, no matter what we try to cover ourselves up with, he sees us and he's promised us that he will never leave us. I was at a conference in Ohio a few years back and I spoke about how we are not a mistake, that we were made with purpose and for a purpose. It says, I'm going to read this to you, okay? It says in Psalm 139, You have searched me, Lord, and you know me. You know when I sit and when I rise. You perceive my thoughts from afar. You discern my going out and my lying down. You are familiar with all my ways. Before a word is on my tongue, Lord, you know it completely. You hem me in behind and before, and you lay your hand upon me. Such knowledge is too wonderful for me, too lofty for me to attain. Where can I go from your spirit? Where can I flee from your presence? If I go up to the heavens, you're there. If I make my bed in the depths, you're there. If I rise on the wings of the dawn, if I settle on the far side of the sea, even there your hand will guide me. Your right hand will hold me fast. If I say, surely the darkness will hide me and the light become night around me, Even the darkness will not be dark to you. The night will shine like the day, for darkness is as light to you. For you created my inmost being. You knit me together in my mother's womb. I praise you because I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Your works are wonderful. I know that full well. My frame was not hidden from you when I was made in the secret place, when I was woven together in the depths of the earth. Your eyes saw my unformed body. All the days ordained for me were written in your book before one of them came to be. How precious to me are your thoughts, God. How vast is the sum of them. Were I to count them, they would outnumber the grains of sand. When I awake, I am still with you. Okay, so I read that and I talked about how we are not a mistake and how God knew us from being in the womb up until now, and he would continue to do so. So after that session, a woman came up to me crying. She said, Karen, all my life I was told I was a mistake. My mom got pregnant when she was 16. I've never known who my dad was, and all she ever said was that I was a mistake and I ruined her life. No one has ever told me that God knew me before I was born. I didn't know that he knitted me in the womb. I've never read the Psalms. I had no idea that I was not a mistake, that he actually sees me. 
All her life, she'd taken up her cross to try to follow Jesus, just knowing what parts of the New Testament said and what God had laid on her heart about him being her savior. And so she did it, not perfectly, but the best she could. And yet she had no idea that whole time, her whole life, that she wasn't a mistake. She had no idea that her life was not an accident and that God knew she was there and that he sees her. So this brings me back around to what I was talking about earlier, taking up your cross and following Jesus, living a life where Jesus can be seen in everything you do, wrapping ourselves in his light and having no matter the situation, having the ability and the strength and the desire to be hidden in him. So if I'm going to throw a blanket over my head, it needs to be a blanket of light or a strong hand of God holding me till I feel okay enough to face the world again. But it isn't a permanent place underneath that blanket. Underneath some blanket is not the same as being under his wings or taking refuge. In God's hands, under the shelter of his wings is a permanent position if you so choose it to be. But that only happens when we do what the word says and take up our cross. Our pains, our worries, our fears, our wrongs, our past, our mistakes, our invisibility, and our need for validation and attention and follow him. Then we're in his hands. Then we're on the path he's called us to. No one will do it perfectly. We'll all trip and fall at times, but he'll catch us. And never ever will you have to walk alone. Never ever will you need to seek the world for the validation and necessities that will actually help you survive this messed up fallen world. Because the real attention The real validation and sustenance we need comes only from our Heavenly Father. We're all just like those little kids inside inside of us. We're like these little kids on the playground running, playing, sliding down that hot slide that sticks to our legs and burns our hands. But we do it anyhow because as we do, we're calling out just like we did when we were those little kids. Look at me, Dad. Look at me. But we don't have to say, look at me, Heavenly Father. Look at me. Because he already sees us. He's already looking. In our process of of working daily to trust him, he'll give us the confidence in him and in who we are so that we can self-validate. To affirm inside our hearts and minds that we do have purpose, that we are important to him, that he made us for a reason. We are not an accident. He knew from the time we were in the womb and he still knows us. He, He sees us. So self-affirm that you're known and that you're, you are seen. Remind yourself daily. Make it your daily talk with God and with yourself that you are not invisible. He knows you and he's got you. And that's, that's really what matters is that you know that. So I hope that me sharing this with you today helps you know that you are seen and you don't have to say, look at me, dad, because he does see you. And I'm going to give you that quote again earlier from earlier. God is never blind to your tears, never deaf to your prayers, and never silent to your pains. He sees you. He hears you. He will deliver you.